Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, on which I today have Jet, Jet Mole, and he's the CMO of Axiom. And I'll let him explain himself what Axiom does and well, maybe first start a little bit by telling the audience a little bit more about your background, Jet. Please go ahead. Hi, Elias, and thanks for having me. It's lovely to be speaking with you today and uh, to all of you. Um, my role as CMO is to help Axiom develop its story and engage with its audiences in meaningful ways. Obviously, Axiom is a business and we want to be a successful business, so it's with that intent, but also to engage other stakeholders um, who, who have an interest in Axiom, you know, and that goes from people who are observers, people in the industry, um, potential recruits for Axiom, etc. So all of our audiences. Um, to explain a little bit about Axiom, um, Axiom has a 50-year-plus history in data-driven marketing. Uh, we really specialize in this area. We, we, we consider ourselves deep experts in data-driven marketing, um, and we've kept pace with all of the changes, but uh, as you can imagine, the world of data-driven marketing has expanded enormously across. And you know, if you just think of the channel aspect, there used to be perhaps direct mail was the only data-driven channel, and now we've gone through endless channels, and um, you know, it, it just seems to keep growing depending on on how you view it. You know, if you view online as one channel, then you're probably missing the point. There are so many channels and ways to engage engage people. Um, but at the heart of it all, what Axiom stands for, what we believe in, is all about understanding people, using data and technology to understand people so that marketers can create better experiences. And when people have better experiences, then they're more likely to become new customers. They're more likely to stay a customer. They're more likely to grow as a customer. Uh, we term it customer intelligence. And uh, what we're hoping to achieve is you know, our vision in life is it's not to help brands find people. We, we're reaching for a higher standard, which is help people find their brands. So the notion that the marketing is so good that people, to people it doesn't really feel like marketing. But that's by being respectful and by being relevant. As you can imagine, Axiom, therefore, specializes in all of the data, identity products, marketing, database, services, analytics, all cloud optimized in order to bring that data together, turn it into customer intelligence and help create better experiences. Um, and if I may just mute to answer your question fully, hopefully, um, I've been with Axiom, it's over 26 years now. I haven't been doing just one job in 26 years, as you can imagine. Um, I've, to my good fortune, I've spent time um, working with sales and sales support with the product, uh, but predominantly marketing. Um, which uh, but that time with sales and working with clients and customers, uh, really big brands, uh, global brands, and uh, on the products and solutions side has really helped inform my position as a marketer. And um, I love working at Axiom, and I love uh, being able to talk about the industry and uh, what's important. So uh, hopefully that gives you a bit of an insight Absolutely. into me and to Axiom. It does. It does. And you must love working at Axiom if you've uh, joined them for well, 60, 26 years ago. Um, <laughs> well, and, and the interesting thing is that today we're going to talk about the 
emerging technologies, et cetera, that, that you see and that, that will have an impact on marketing and the marketing industry in the, in the next years. Um, but let's start with the, with, with a little bit of history because you must have seen some, well, amazing changes over those 26 years. What would you imagine? What, what are the, one of the key things that you, what, what are the most important things that you have seen in the industry changing over the, the past 20 years? Um, I would say it's I'm I'm as taken by what's changed uh, by what hasn't changed as much as by what has changed. Um, so to answer the specific question around what's changed, uh, I think a huge thing that we've experienced is the way in which people, the way that technology capabilities and data can be readily in the hands of marketers, and how they buy and um set up that that technology and, and put that data to work. So what I mean by that is um 20 years ago people would come to a business like Axiom and say, hey, we'd like to use data to understand and engage customers. Can you help us? Together we'd design a system or solution to do that. And then we would select largely um we would determine the components that go into that and we would build it and operate it and it would all be on um yeah, on in our data centers, and mm-hmm. we would provide a full service. Um, and the hard part about data, of course, as you can imagine, is, is that it's you can't touch and feel it. So the techn- the more that technology can visualize data and, and put data in the hands of marketers and, and help marketers feel so they're actually moving it around, creating audiences and selections and developing insights, I think the, the better it is from a marketer's point of view. Mm-hmm. So the marketer then lent towards things like software, things like data visualization tools and, and counting and selection tools, campaign management tools that would give them that capability. They felt more comfort. And of course, as technology became more software focused, um, marketing technology anyway, um, I think that marketers felt, hey, I can do this with the help of my IT friends. And, and indeed, that's the way that the capabilities were going anyway. So that's mm-hmm. started off a trend, and, and that trend has only been accelerated with uh, the move to the cloud um, because you can engage in uh, a, t- a capability and have it set up in the cloud and, in theory, be up and running in no time. So the role for a company like Axiom has changed quite significantly um, from people coming to us first, and, and in case they, they do, and in cases that's absolutely the right thing for them to do, Um Whereas I think a lot of people's interest, at least in the early part of the discovery, is around what's the shiny new thing. And with the growing number, with the huge growth of channels over the years and with the growing technologies and capabilities, I think people have been attracted to that, you know, like uh, like insects to a light. Yeah, That's not to be unkind on marketing, but <laughs> not marketers, but it's, um, I'm one myself, but it's, uh, I think people have, it's almost like do it yourself and take things within your own firewall. Uh, that has been a trend, and mm-hmm. you know it, it's changed the way that people have engaged. Um, and it's something that we've had to work with uh, and be good at. And you know, this move to the cloud is really accelerating everything, and we're responding. Um, you know, some people, some brands, still want things in, in the data center, but the trend certainly is for a lot more to be in the cloud. And that's something that perhaps we wouldn't even have imagined twenty years ago, when particularly in financial services, um, brands felt very passionate about being able to be in full control and, and they are in the cloud, but it just, it just feels different. Um, Absolutely. 
But in terms of things that haven't changed, you know, it's still about understanding people. It really is still about what can, you know, and we want to work with brands who have a genuine interest in understanding people to the right degree, not to a creepy degree, not to the nth degree. We just want to understand people well enough to give them a better experience, to make the marketing more relevant and respectful than the next brand. Um, and, and that is, you know, so much has changed, but people haven't. Uh, people go on their own journeys and evolve. And, but their values and what, you know, they still want a good experience. They still want to be treated as an individual. They still um, want good service rather than bad service. They want to be rewarded for their loyalty. So that hasn't changed. And the other thing, the final thing, before I take a breath, <laughs> that hasn't changed and always amazes me is this it's this issue of silos and fragmentation. And one of the, regardless of emerging technologies, one of the biggest threats to any brand, business, marketing success is the proliferation of silos, the, uh, the risk of having all these technologies, not having them work together, not having them work together to reveal a good understanding of the individual, and enabling people to to create the kind of actionable marketing intelligence, actionable customer intelligence that will enable them to create those better experiences. So silos are perhaps the most boring thing that you could possibly imagine in a whole space. But I bet there are a lot of not marketers out there now nodding their heads because they know only too well that it's it's mm-hmm. kind of just that it's like um they're like weeds. You, <laughs> You can do the best you can in a garden, but they're going to come back. So you always got to fight against the silos. And, you know, we're pretty passionate about that too. Love it. Love it. So I'm going to let you have a breath there because uh, <laughs> well, still, still, I think you did a great job in, let's say, summarizing 20 years of uh, of experience and 20 years of, let's say, marketing um, developments over uh, of, of the last 20 years. But um, one, one thing that also intrigues me and what you're saying there is basically that marketers that were typically always well i would almost say let's say afraid of technology and data um and now they're embracing it it used to be a thing that was done by it and now they they really embrace technology embrace data and they'll start using it with in in which there is also a threat of course because what i'm seeing here is and i'm my my education my marketing education is from the 90s and um i always tend to say people is it's like hey we didn't have marketing technology in the 90s not not something we have now um the the thing we we were taught at school was like in marketing your customers should be central right so everything yeah. should be about the customer and that, that's still the case of course but with the, all the rise of data and the new shiny objects, the new technologies that come out on every day, on a daily basis, the threat as a marketer is to have that data uh, central instead of your customer. So, do you, do you acknowledge that, or is that something you see as well? And and if so, how how can we prevent, or how can marketers prevent from putting the data central instead of the customer? I love that point, and I couldn't agree with it more. So, you know, sometimes it's going to be a bit boring if you get violent agreement rather than disagreement. But um, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I've got a little thing. I kind of I was in a presentation once. This would be easier to do visually, but um, I know it's a, a podcast. But I, I kind of made this point. I drew lots of ones and zeros and said that data-driven marketing is about ones and zeros. And I said, but there is another way of thinking about it. And I drew a zero, and underneath the zero, I drew a one. And then I said, the role of good data-driven marketing marketers is to do this. And I'd, so you've got the zero and the one underneath it. 
Um, and then I just um, I turned it into a stick person by adding two arms and two legs. So as you imagine, the zero was the head, the, the torso was the one, and then I turned into a person. I said, that's the way that I think. That's the way that we all have to think. Um, it's, it's still customer first, and I think that's one of the reasons why at least we are rallying around this notion of this vision, this aspiration of helping people find their brands. Um, there is a lot of talk in the data-driven marketing space about performance-driven marketing, but that and I know results are important. We we won't be able to be around as a business. We won't be able to give employment to people. We won't be able to contribute to the economy unless we we're strong as a business. But with the growing customer expectations about what good marketing looks like and feels like, we know it ourselves, even as marketers. And with regulation, and that only, it's only going to become more stringent. Um, we feel that you really the best marketers really do have to make sure that they're using the data and technology to enable them to have a, a to be more customer centric rather than more technology and data centric. Um, you know, we in our own marketing team, in the marketing team that I run for Axiom, because sometimes in, in our industry, people take on the title chief marketing officer as a as a softer sales title, which, you know, because if you, mm-hmm. we get introduced to a sales guy, you, you know it's uh, you know it's going to be about sales, and sometimes chief, chief marketing officer can um, be it's a bit of a stealth title sometimes. But I, I'm a real marketer. I've got a real marketing team who are brilliant, and um, you know, and we have gone on that journey too from being just a service to team. Hey, create a logo for this, turn that into a brochure, make sure there's a, a booth or a stand at this event, etc. Into we've got our own data stack, we've got our own technology, and we talk about. Data driving everything, but really what we want to focus on is data doing the heavy lifting to allow us to be more people-centric, more customer-centric, more human in what we do. We want to take to have technology do the heavy lifting so that we can um, be creative ourselves in our own ideas, uh, be smarter at how we design experiences and and engagements. So. Um, yeah, it's. I think the risk is real, Elias. Um, and I've, I've seen plenty of examples of. You know, I've been around plenty of scenarios where it's been all about the data, um, and it's not to take away the importance of the data and technology, but it's just to retain that elevated mindset and aspiration that this is about people. Um, the way I've, I'll finish the point by make. I maintain that. In this system where brands engage in marketing and pay suppliers and the suppliers acquire data and technology and do all this stuff, the money always flows out until the customer says yes. The Mm -hmm. money only flows in one direction until the individual ultimately says, you know what, that holiday does sound great and it's a great price. I think I'll do it. Or that TV looks great or whatever it is. The money only flows back when the customer says yes. And that's why that's a huge reminder for us all as to why we need the customer centric. It's all about the customer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well said. So, um, what what are some of the? Well, let's talk about the future a little bit because we 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 talked about the the changes now that that we've seen over the past years and the emergence of of, of data and data driven marketing. So, what are some of the technologies, new emerging technologies that you see? That will have an impact on marketing and the marketing industry the, the next few years. Yeah, well, I think the one thing we've all got to aspire to, regardless of the various different technologies, <clears throat> is to 
try and close that loop between online and offline. So I think identity products, notwithstanding the uh, much vaunted disappearance of the third-party cookie, I think identity is going to be really, really important uh, continually and increasingly um, because we don't have two customers. We've got one customer, but I'm going to link you to the previous point, and they exist in two different spaces, so we have to close that gap with um, with identity solutions. Um, I think we're also seeing, of course, emergencies of things like um, retail media networks, everything as an ad platform. Um, and that can be a good thing. You know, it can help improve, uh, it can help the contextualization of, of messaging and marketing. So that can help it be customer-centric if done the right way. Again, I, I just think that when it comes to everything being an ad platform, those first well publishers need to be careful that, again, they focus on the right experience and, it, and they don't just focus on, hey, we've got some um, impression space here, let's sell it as much as we can. Again, we're, most of us are for-profit businesses rather than non-for-profit businesses, but yet again, I think success will be determined by it working for the people. Um, the metaverse gets so much... <laughs> Uh, I think that's at that tipping point now where people are beginning to actually understand it. Um, you know, and but again, I think we're at a point where the metaverse is it's going to become more of a real thing. It feels a bit like perhaps 15, 20 years ago when people were talking about electric cars and then it's going to suddenly there'll, there'll be lots of Teslas and Toyota Priuses all around us. Um, so, uh, you know, it is real. It is beginning to get a foothold. But again, I think it's, it's not about the metaverse for the metaverse's sake. It's it's the metaverse for whatever it can do for people, whether it's enjoyment, pleasure, uh, utility, convenience, um, all those things. So I think, again, your point, Elias, about customer first is going to be um, what's going to really push us forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, another big thing, it should be, it's an interesting one, I think, it's been around as an idea for a while, for a good while, but I think it's something that um, is really going to it's going to fly. I feel, and I think it's probably going to fly. But that's the notion of you know second party data sharing, clean rooms. Um, I think the big issue with clean rooms is it's and just to explain for anyone who's listening who doesn't quite understand it, first party data being a brand's own data. So if you can imagine if if the manufacturer of a four by four car company got together with the manufacturer of a um, of outdoor wear clothes, you know, clothes for the mountains and the hills, and mm-hmm. they shared their data safely, um, surely there would be an overlap of people who not only want to, uh, you know, it could be for real. <laughs> this is probably uh, this is probably one of the smaller segments, but the prob- the people who really want to go on off road on four by four cars and 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 wear the right clothing and a lot more people who want to look like they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's lots of opportunities for those insights. If you get those the same like-minded people and the two data sets and the right insights there, that could create a, a really cool experience. And so second-party data sharing, via a clean room, that ability to bring two different sets in uh, to link it, but not reveal it to the opposite brand and to, make, to put that data to good use safely. I think um, I think it's the upstream work there that uh, that around the permissions on the data that people increasingly make sure that their first party data is is collected to enable 
Uh, and then, it, of course, it's the downstream commercials. That if if we are sharing our data, well, is it working for both of us or just one of us? And and how do we reflect that economically? Um, mm-hmm. Almost something. Yeah, I was going <clears> to <throat> data strategy. I think is not necessarily technology, but we all hear about businesses having a business strategy, a marketing strategy, an IT strategy, a, a talent strategy. But still, I think it's it's getting better. But it's still amazing how few organizations have got a data strategy. It really, when you think about um, the fact that the ones and zeros, as I mentioned earlier, are the people um, just getting more more data and uh, just hoping that the data will be there to to make your um, technology create the insights that can deliver better marketing and, and better results. It's a bit of a, I think it's it's down to leaving too much to hope and, and chance. I think a proper mm-hmm. data strategy, understanding what would make a difference where that data may be uh, safely, legally, appropriately sourced and um, collected, commissioned, and put to use. I think that's everything. I, I think that's one of the good things GDPR has done. GDPR has done some, uh, has, has been quite challenging in places, but has been has driven some very good practice. And I think one of those things is that people are a bit uh, more serious about the data strategy and um, we would wholeheartedly endorse that. I I fully agree there. Um, Although it's, as as we typically say here, it's it's like a paper tiger often um, because um, I'm always amazed, like you just indicated, how few organizations really have a data strategy. Um, But in theory, they they all have one because when I'm, putting data processing agreements, DPAs together for all kinds of customers. And we, we need, everyone is signing those within those DPAs. There's all kinds of data strategies, right? So, and data, how to use the data, how data will be stored, how it will be managed, uh, how the opt-in works, et cetera. Everything is there. Um, mm-hmm. But in practice, the marketing teams don't, don't really use them on a daily basis. They do, And I don't know why that is. It's probably because it's not too visible. And there's not too many uh, legal action on it yet, um, yeah. but um, I think there is there really is a chance there and a, 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 um, a well it, it's 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 um, gonna be a, a a technology or a or maybe a strategy that is gonna impact marketing hugely for the for the next few years because something has to happen and. Um, well, as marketers, as you was you just indicated as well, a few marketers are are having that strategy, data strategy yet, but you need to have it in place to, on the one side, legally, um, let's say, uh, uh, comply to any of the well rules that there are in the EU or in in yeah. the, well, even in in the US now, but it also on the marketing side of of the business, right? So if if you don't have your data in place, how how can you ever personalized experiences and i love the the quote that you have on your website i think it you guys you help marketers to understand customers um if you don't have your data in order how can you ever understand your customers and how can you have that that that's customer central so i yeah i love it i i, I like the uh the predictions that you're making here cool and, and um, again if i mean the um making it right for, for people is everything and and i do think there is a little bit of um sensationalism and uh, you know, it's easy to point to data and, and say that it's B 
because it's invisible, so to speak, and say mm-hmm. that it's really scary. But I, I do think there's a huge amount of conflation. I do think I'm convinced, absolutely convinced, having been at Axiom 26 years, seeing all the change in the market and how we've had to respond. I've never seen anyone at Axiom do anything remotely suspicious with, with data. It's always been simply to do those things, understand people so you can make a, a, you know, a marketing interaction or an advertisement more relevant than random. Um, and, you know, I think it's sometimes sensationalized that <clears throat> businesses, which is almost every business these days, using data or doing it to force behavior, not to inform and to kind of hopefully uh, encourage people to consider a product or service, but it's as though, oh, if you're using data and you know that I like sports and you show me an ad, that's been determined by the data around sports and I have to buy it. And if it's, I just think the sensation, we're losing sight of some of the more important issues in, in mm-hmm. marketing, such as staying customer centric um, through the sensationalization of it. I think it's far more important to keep data safe and secure um, and uh, away from it falling into the wrong, wrong hands um, than some of the discussions about knowing that you drive a a Ford, the same Ford you drive in the street every single day um, in in public. You know, some of those things I, I think are just losing sight of really what marketers are trying to use data for. Absolutely, absolutely. So as I think you you mentioned it before, but as long as you're using data smart instead of creepy, I think it's it's gonna be accepted. So yeah, do you have, have good intent. That, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 customers and and potential customers will will recognize that. So, Jeff, thank you very much for being on the marketing technology podcast. I'm I, I'll hope I hope to have you back in the in the future because we could talk for hours. I feel, but we we we, we, we typically have 20, 25 minutes. So, um, again, for all the listeners in the show notes, you'll find a link to Jeff's. Uh, LinkedIn profile as well as a web as a link to Axiom's website. Um, and with that, I'd like to thank you again, Jet, for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'd, I'd be happy to come back. Episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.